This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Bill Even, CEO for the National Pork Board. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. Farmer-owned co-ops include millions of successful businessmen and women, today's farmers, who own and run co-ops. They're responsible for companies that feed the world and create jobs both on and off the farm. Learn more at ncfc.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with National Pork Board CEO Bill Even next. The National Council of Farmer Cooperatives is the voice of America's farmer cooperatives. These farmer-owned co-ops are comprised of millions of successful businessmen and women, today's farmers. They own and run co-ops and are responsible for companies that feed the world and create hundreds of thousands of jobs, both on and off the farm. To learn more about how farmer-run co-ops keep the future bright for America and agriculture, visit ncfc.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. U.S. Department of Agriculture's quarterly hogs and pigs report showed a larger herd and increased fowling intentions in the nation's swine herd. Bill Even, CEO of the National Pork Board, says clearly the U.S. pork industry is growing. People may not know it, but uh, we're seeing uh, construction of packing plants, something we haven't seen in over 25 years. In addition, we're also seeing concrete going into the ground where producers are building out their sow farms and their finishing barns as well. And so the state of the U.S. pork industry is one of growth. Now, along with that growth, you know, there comes growing pains. Uh, there's some realignment uh, that's coming where producers and their packers and processors, those relationships are, as these new plants come online, are all being reshaped. And so in that time frame, we also have a lot of hogs coming to market. Uh, we've uh, hit uh, record uh, hog slaughter numbers here over the past six weeks, and those numbers look to continue to grow into 2017. On the plus side, some lower feed costs and uh, great efficiencies by by the pig farmers really showing right now um, you know projected returns for 2017 from Iowa State they were projecting about a $6 loss per head uh, back in November it's actually showing a slight profit of a little over 3 bucks a head now as of we sit today Bill I know from time to time that you have to study and see the, the ultimate return on investment uh, for the pork checkoff. Uh, what do the latest numbers suggest for every dollar put in? What, it, what does it mean to a hog farmer? The USDA requires every five years that uh, return on an investment uh, analysis be done uh, through a third-party economics uh, researcher. And uh, the current data that we're using shows a 17 to 1 uh, rate of return. So for every dollar that's invested in the, the pork checkoff, uh, returned seventeen dollars in value to the industry, and you know those those numbers you know range internally from our various uh, departments. Um, for example, our science and technology department, the the ROI for the research that's done in the industry is over fifty two to one. So I think that points out uh, the value in pork producers collectively reinvesting in the research, promotion, and education for the for the pork industry. From the domestic side of the equation, with the meat supply as high as it is, I'd have to believe there's some real opportunities for consumers uh, at the meat case. There sure are. So right now, we've had great consumer demand and great export demand has really helped support the hog markets, even though we've got record large uh, numbers going to slaughter right now. The reason for that is one that probably hasn't changed is that you know, pork strength is really on its price, flavor, and versatility. And pork is 
the world's number one consumed animal protein. And in the U.S., it's the second most consumed protein. And the fact that we've got an ample supply at reasonable prices and pork tastes good and it's got great flavor and you can use it a lot of different ways in your menu, that provides a real opportunity for consumers here this winter. If we look at total consumption of production in the U.S., what role do exports play? Exports are very important to the pork industry as well as all of agriculture. The importance of international trade, it doesn't matter whether it's corn or soybeans or beef or pork, is well known amongst farmers and ranchers. And so the pork industry, we export about 25% of the pork we produce in the U.S. And when you look at it from a volume standpoint, Mexico is far and away the largest volume consumer of U.S. pork. And then Japan, China, Canada, and South Korea. And if you slice that data the other direction and talk about value, where's the highest value or the most dollar return, you know, Japan, Mexico, Canada, China, and South Korea all, all stack up in there. So those markets, Mexico and Canada are partners to the north and south, and then the, the Asia-Pacific rim is where we export most of our pork. Philip saying what the U.S. Meat Export Federation recently told us that 2016 looked like a rebounding year. What does 2017 look like from a pork perspective to the global market? We work very closely with the U.S. Meat Export Federation and, and Phil Singh's team. And the one thing Phil and I have been talking about is the real importance with the, the sheer volume of hogs that are coming to market here. Domestic demand in the U.S. increases you know, generally at the rate of 1% to 2% a year. And so a lot of this new uh, pork that's coming to market is going to happen to move into those export channels. And so we see exports of U.S. pork increasing from 25% today to upwards to, you know, 30 to 33% over the course of the next five years. That's a big surge of work that needs to get accomplished. And whether it's the producers, whether it's the National Pork Producers Council, the National Pork Board, U.S. Meat Export Federation and the USDA and, and the U.S. Trade Representative, all of that team has to have uh, all hands on deck here to make sure that we've got the market outlets for this product. From an educational standpoint, what role does U.S. trade policy have on industry? And if we become more protectionist, what might be at stake? Trade is incredibly important to all of agriculture, pork producers included. And we're very encouraged of the uh, appointment of uh, Governor Terry Branstad of Iowa as the ambassador to China. It's a very large and growing market, important for uh, America's pork producers. In addition to that, uh, the U.S. trade representative position is also critically important for uh, all of agriculture and pork producers included. So we keep a real... Uh, real close eye and working relationship with those folks to understand you know, market access and market development opportunities for U.S. port. Bill, there are some legal challenges for other checkoffs. Is this a concern for the port board and the port checkoff, or does your structure help to protect you from some of the legal issues we've seen? So checkoffs in general in the United States and their their legitimacy was, you know, reaffirmed in the Johans Court decision, U.S. Supreme Court decision in 2005. And so the National Pork Board is, is structured in a way that the, uh, the checkoff dollars um, are collected at a national level. Uh, that money comes to the National Pork Board here in Des Moines, Iowa. And then by law, uh, 20% of that money is then automatically returned back to the states. And so we have a, a very solid, secure, multi-audited system 
that we feel very comfortable about and the producers also feel very comfortable about. Our operations are overseen by a 15-member board of directors, and under federal law, uh, at least 12 different states need to be represented. We've got a great cross-section of producers from large and small and from all across the United States, and they provide the the hands-on direction to those of us here on staff that work for the producers. 2016 brought a lot of discussion about food labels, and I note now that there are uh, discussions about definitions of quote-unquote organic meat. Is that something you're addressing at the Pork Board? So the entire industry pays attention to what the consumer wants, right? And so the, what you're seeing the trend now is for absence claims on labels, if I could characterize it as such, Jeff. And it's people are interested in where their product came from, where their food came from, and what's in it, right? And so being very straightforward with the, the consumer is important uh, in the pork industry as well as anybody uh, working in the food industry. Uh, we work very closely. Uh, we've got a team of folks that work closely with all the retailers as well as with all of the, the food service industry as well as with the packing industry to make sure that we've got our finger on the pulse of what does today's consumer expect on a label. And then it's our obligation to make sure that we've got clear, straightforward, accurate, factual information on labels, certainly nothing that would be disparaging. And our job here at the Pork Board is we represent all pork producers and all types of production. Uh, We've got a very diverse industry of over 60,000 producers, and they have a lot of different uh, production methods. Our job is to make sure that we support all of them and we let the market sort the other things out. So a clear definition of what might be quote-unquote organic or quote-unquote a non-GMO meat, uh, those are issues you support but but would wait for a definition. One other thing worth pointing out is that the National Pork Board, you know, our checkoff dollars can't be spent on uh, lobbying or influencing government policy. Our job is to collect the facts and provide that information out into the industry. And what role does animal health play? from a pork board perspective and toward the producer and industry? Animal health is a very large part of the focus of the National Pork Board and the checkoff dollars. We've got a team of veterinarians and scientists here on staff that are second to none in the U.S. And they are they spend every waking hour of every day working on animal health issues and food safety and food quality issues here for the pork industry. And on that, uh, one of the major areas that we've been focused on is around the new FDA regulations around antibiotics used in livestock production. And starting January 1st, the pork industry, along with the rest of the livestock industry, is turning a page to a new era of what I would characterize responsible use in antibiotics. And pork producers have been been proud to embrace that, uh, get involved early. And we have our largest uh, education campaign here in 2016, reminding producers around the new rules and responsibilities of the veterinary feed directives that are coming into play at the first of the year. I saw a political cartoon that it had a farmer with a sign beside him that said Century Farmer, and that it showed a consumer, and the consumer says, I've been reading the Internet, and you've been doing it wrong. Uh, Is there a concern that consumer demand and consumer attitude calls for a product that isn't supported by animal husbandry from land-grant universities and from that that we know from a history of producing animals? 
So our, our job at the Pork Board is to make sure that we're in touch with what the consumer is thinking about. Where's the consumer's head on where they're buying their food from and where they're consuming their food? In addition to that, we also have an obligation to make sure that whatever is done out there is factually sound and is quite, you know, is accurate and that animal health and animal husbandry has to be accounted for. You know, the pork producers really, you know, are, are committed to, you know, it's the right medicine, the right dose at the right time for the pigs. And when you've got healthy pigs, you get safe food. That's kind of the baseline expectation that we have here uh, in the United States. And the pork board plays an important role in making sure that the facts are out there for policymakers when they're making those decisions. In addition, uh, making sure that we're engaging in a conversation with consumers so they actually know the facts about pork production, being transparent about pork production, and making sure that they feel comfortable and confident in buying pork for their families. Is there a chance that we're jeopardizing the herd with some of these moves? You know, any time that you make a change in animal husbandry, it requires oversight of a veterinarian. And the producers and the people that are taking care of the animals on a day-to-day basis, our job and our obligation is to make sure we're watching our animals and if they're getting sick, that we're treating them appropriately and, quite frankly, uh, you know, right up front. And so I, I actually feel pretty comfortable and pretty confident in the, the America's pork producers, their ability to manage their herds properly, take care of their animals as they've always done for, you know, for over 200 years here in the U.S. And so I, I feel comfortable that the pork industry is going to be able to adapt to these new rules and regulations in a fashion that uh, will make the consumer feel very comfortable. Bill, I understand recently that a resistant gene was found to antibiotics. Was was this in an animal, and, and how was it discovered? So the, the resistant plasmid was actually not found in an animal, right? So it's not found in a hog. It was found in uh, one building in, in one farm in Ohio. And I think it's important to note that, you know, the, the swine farms and pig farms across the United States do voluntarily open up their facilities for regular uh, research, and in this case, the researchers from uh, Ohio State. And so the, the pork industry is as genuinely interested as anybody else in making sure that we've got a good understanding of uh, animal health in the industry. And in this situation, you know, this resistant plasmid, uh, the researchers are are not sure how it came to be in the building, and in fact, uh, it it is not uncommon to find these sort of resistant plasmids in hospital settings. So it's it's a bit of a head scratcher right now. Maybe it was carried in by a pet. Uh, not really sure how this might have ended up in the building. I think the the bottom line is that uh, the pork supply is safe. Uh, in the United States, and that's the the number one thing I think people would need to remember. In terms of implications for the industry, this made a headline, but really, does it mean anything in the day-to-day operations or future operations of swine production? For From our standpoint in the pork industry, uh, at the end of the day, um, the reason we do these this voluntary work and these voluntary studies and cooperate with researchers is that we're, we're, we're serious about understanding the industry. Uh, we agree that more study needs to be done to uh, validate these sort of situations and even replicate it if possible. Um, I think it also points out the real need for good biosecurity on, on our farms uh, in the U.S., uh, we're not sure how uh, any sort of uh, bacteria or virus, for that matter, can get into get into a farm site. And so, 
Um, we are very supportive of monitoring these type of surveillance uh, efforts that you know, not only help the animals, but certainly help uh, us as people, as consumers as well. The National Pork Producers Council and some other groups have called for a vaccine bank to protect U.S. livestock if there might be an outbreak of foot and mouth disease. So I'm asking from an educational perspective, why would such a bank be important? The U.S. pork industry exports about 25% of the pork that we produce. And when you think about any sort of a foreign animal disease outbreak, one of the first things that would happen is we'd stop movement of pigs and the export markets would, would lock up as well. And suddenly you'd be faced with uh, not only the animal health issues, you know, directly related with the health of the animals and, and the care of them, that suddenly you'd be faced with an additional 25% of the U.S. pork supply actually being trapped here onshore in the United States. And so our ability to develop a secure pork supply plan and what the, the National Pork Producers Council is doing on the uh, foot and mouth vaccine bank, critically important and all interrelated. So the pork board is focusing on how we work with the USDA and all the state veterinarians and animal health officials. How do we build a secure pork supply plan that allows us to quickly and competently address any sort of a disease outbreak in order to ensure that the industry uh, moves back to normal operations as quickly as possible and that any export market hiccups would be remedied and addressed in a very fast fashion. In addition to that, having that vaccine bank allows us to quickly get on top of any particular disease outbreak in a given area and get it locked down and managed so that the rest of the pigs in the United States stay healthy and safe. The pork board has been proactive, not just on foot and mouth disease, on the antibiotic issue, on other challenges that you have uh, we've seen uh, from the world. You've worked on worst-case scenarios in, in a lot of these instances, haven't you? We do extensive crisis drills every year. We actually have a dedicated person on staff that works on the secure pork supply and kind of the animal health and kind of that intersection with the veterinarians in the U.S. and the USDA. So part of that planning, working with uh, producers, working with veterinarians, working with supply chains, trucking firms, packing plants, uh, retailers, and food service, it's critically important that all the stakeholders in that supply chain understand and exercise those muscles through crisis drills so that if we do have a problem, we have the relationships in place, we have the protocols in place to address that in a prompt fashion. And one of the number one priorities that I've established here for the Pork Board in 2017 is to really focus on the secure pork supply plan along with the USDA and our state partners Focus on that, and then we need to get this uh, locked down and ready, and then we need to engage with our international trading partners to ensure that they understand our secure pork supply plan and animal health and that they feel comfortable that the United States pork industry would have the issue well in hand so they feel comfortable about opening or reopening export markets. And, you know, God forbid, should we have a foreign animal disease outbreak. Well, Bill, we're just a few days uh, from the big ball dropping and saying goodbye to 2016 and moving ahead to 2017. We started the interview talking about uh, the state of the industry. So now, uh, as we look to close, I'll just ask, what, what do you look for for 2017? What are you excited about and what opportunities do you see ahead for the industry? 
I'm excited in 2017 and on out in the out years to be involved in an industry that's growing. Um, it's much better. You're much better positioned in an industry that's growing and an industry that's declining. And the fact that new packing plants are being built, packing plants are being converted, and pork producers are reinvesting in their operations, those are all signs of a, of a healthy, uh, vibrant industry that has low-cost production and is managing itself well. Now, along with growth, there's always growing pains, and so I think the role of the National Pork Board is working closely with producers and the rest of the supply chain to understand what problems do you anticipate and how can we get in front of them and help you with that. And so I look at this as the the challenge in 2017 as a challenge to help successfully navigate the, the growth of the industry. Another thing that I'm excited about is improving pork quality along with locking down our secure pork supply plan here in the U.S. and then getting that communicated internationally is another key priority. And certainly last but not least, the ability for the National Pork Board to engage aggressively in both domestic and international marketing efforts is going to be very important because uh, we'll have a lot of hogs that uh, need to find a home. Well, Bill, even we want to thank you very much for spending time with us on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, sir, and you have an open forum. Thanks much, Jeff, and I really appreciate everything that you and AgriPulse does to help inform American agriculture. Our thanks to National Pork Board CEO Bill Even, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. Farmer-owned co-ops include millions of successful businessmen and women, today's farmers, who own and run co-ops. They're responsible for companies that feed the world and create jobs both on and off the farm. Learn more at ncfc.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.